It's great to be speaking to you this morning. My name's Sai, if you, if you didn't pick that up already. Um, you know, I hope you're well. And even if you're not, you're in the right place because God wants to meet with you in your difficulty uh, as he has been during the worship. I love it when God does that. And actually, that last song, you know, uh, not the last song, the song before last, Bring It All to Peace, the storm around me and the, the storm within as well, it talks about, is really what I want to look at today. Because I want to look at how um, we, are, we can look at the faithfulness of God despite opposition without and within as uh, as we live for him. You know, the Israelites in the, our part, part in Exodus, they're excited. Moses has come back with stories of, of deliverance, um, that God is going to break through. He's got signs and wonders to show that uh, God is with him. They're excited. God is on their side. What could go wrong? Mo, would you like to come and read? Do you understand and use this microphone here? It's, it's on, yeah. Making bricks without straw, Exodus 5. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast for me in, in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice? And let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves, wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather the stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urging people, saying, Complete your work, your daily tasks each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. 
And he said, you are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble uh, when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Am I on? That's great. Thank you. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Ross Blackburn, in his book, The God Who Makes Himself Known, says that Pharaoh's question is not one of inquiry, but one of defiance. Alistair Roberts and Andrew Wilson in their book, Echoes of Exodus, write, the Exodus is a battle of the gods in which only one can emerge victorious. Pharaoh had all the might of Egypt behind him. He had the long history of oppression on the people of Israel behind him to show and to let him know that he and his gods were greater, that they were in charge. He had no intention of listening to this God of the Hebrew people. And so to show his dominance, as Mo read to us so wonderfully, he inflicts harsher treatment on his slave people to show that he is the boss. He sets himself up in opposition to God and to God's people, Israel. My friends, that first question, who is the Lord? It's our job as God's people, as the church of Jesus Christ, to make him known to the world around us so they know who God is. It says in Romans chapter 10, makes it very clear, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. That task is given to all of us. Too often or too readily we were reduced preaching to what I'm doing now. And in fact, what it has sort of come to mean uh, this day and age, if I'm, if I'm a bit boring, where well, it's a, a solid teaching today, Si, solid teaching. But if I'm a bit more exciting, then, oh, good preach, Si, good preach. That's kind of what we mean by the word preach. But that's not what the Bible means by the word preach. It's not how entertaining the, the speaker is, but it is to openly proclaim, to herald an official message which has been given to all of us, the official message of the gospel to share with other people. We are called to make God known as his people. We're anointed 
to do it. By the Holy Spirit, he has anointed you to preach good news. But don't be surprised as you go about doing that, that you will face opposition from outside. God desires people to know him. But the primary way he likes to introduce people to him is actually, I guess the Holy Spirit's involved through it all and working through it all, but it's through his people. It's now through the church. The manifold wisdom of God is being displayed. He wants to work through you and me. And sometimes he chooses to work in extraordinary ways, as he does here through Moses and Aaron, as we will see as we go through the weeks, as he is still doing in the world today. I heard a story when I was in Ethiopia from a friend of mine who is living in Cairo, and he is um, working there and helping the churches around the Middle East. And one of the people that he's got contact with, one of the churches he's got contact with from Egypt, were sending some missionaries into Lebanon, into one of the refugee camps in Lebanon, to share the gospel with uh, people there. And the team went into this Islamic country with some fear and trepidation as they were going, but they, they preached the, uh, the story of the good shepherd to the people there. They were using that to explain explain to the people how Jesus, or Isa in their language, is the good shepherd. Well, as they're sharing this, this lady suddenly pipes up, oh, oh, I've, I've met Isa. I know Isa. And they, they're sort of scratching their head a bit, thinking, what, what, how have you met Isa? Uh, so they ask her to explain. Well, it turns out that two weeks earlier, when she was coming to this camp. She, um, she had been smuggled out of Syria. She had paid some people, smugglers, to get her and her son out of Syria. Her husband had been killed in the war. And uh, so the people smugglers said, yep, we'll take you. Well, on the day, two weeks earlier, when they're about to, to go, uh, she walks up with her son, but she's got a bad leg. And the people smuggler see this and say to uh, her, no, you can't come. And she said, oh, please, please, they'll kill me if I, I go back. No, you can't come. You won't make it with your leg. And uh, at which point this person in the crowd who's also going along with them says, oh, excuse me, I, I will take her. And the smuggler says, no, she cannot come. And he says, no, 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 it's okay. Look, I am big, I am strong. When she's weak, I will carry her. And uh, the smuggler reluctantly agrees to it and says, okay, but I'm not going to slow down for you. She's your responsibility. If you have to leave her, that's on you. And uh, so the man says, it's fine, no problem. Well, sure enough, as they get going, as they go over the hills from Syria into Lebanon, she can't make it. So this man, who's called Isa, picks her up, puts her on her shoulders like a lamb, carries her over the hills. On the way down when she can walk again. Um, she thanks him, says, oh, thank you so much. How can I give you something? When I'm settled here and I've got some things, how can I find you to give you a gift for how much you have helped me? He said to her, in two weeks' time, my followers will find you and tell you how to find me. And she thinks to herself, that's a bit strange. How could a man in our position have followers? But she didn't want to say anything. 
And then two weeks later, these people are there teaching about how Jesus is the good shepherd. And she connects the dots and they're able to lead her wonderfully to Christ. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? Praise God. And what I find interesting is God, Jesus didn't lead her to himself then, even though he was the one carrying her. He left it to his servants who came two weeks later with some fear and trepidation. They were taking steps of faith to share with these people. God left it to them to reap what he had already prepared in that woman and others alongside her. And we get that joy too. The Holy Spirit is already preparing people out there and around us. And we get the joy as we take those steps of faith, as we step out of God wanting to use us. However, even when Jesus is clearly proclaimed and people begin to realize he is all that he has claimed to be, don't be surprised if opposition comes your way, even from those people themselves. David Jackman, a famous uh, preacher and writer, says in his book that people are wrong when they identify mankind's greatest problem as ignorance. It's rebellion is our greatest problem. Sin, which is within all of us, is fundamentally rebellion, not ignorance to God. It's rebellion against God. And Pharaoh hardens his heart against God, against the purposes of God, and he justifies his position to himself and imposes harsh punishment on the people of Israel. And this is the reality for many people that we come across. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I'll do what I want, in other words. Thank you very much. No one can tell me what I can and can't do. Some people, they might condescend to think, okay, yeah, I realize I'm not perfect, so I may need saving. But to make Jesus my Lord, to make him the boss of my life, to make him the one who calls the shots on what I do and don't do, no, thank you. I, I want to live life my way. Jesus says, whoever would save his life, whoever wants to live life your way, in other words, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Mark 8:35. When you surrender to Jesus Christ, you find true peace. You find true joy. You find true freedom. In Jesus. Rick Warren says in his uh, famous book, A Purpose Driven Life Victory comes through surrender. Surrender doesn't weaken you, it strengthens you. Surrender to God, you don't have to fear or surrender to anything else. Hallelujah. You may be here and you may not know Jesus, or you may actually be using something like you know, science or suffering or these things as a reason for not believing it. And actually, deep down, you know in your heart that Jesus is real. And they're just excuses that you're using to justify your position rather than surrender the throne of your life to Jesus.
Can I encourage you, if you're here and you're doing that, or if you're watching online and you're in that position, to surrender the throne of your life to Jesus? He actually has the very best for you in this life and the next. He will lead your life better than you ever could lead it yourself. Stop living in rebellion to God and surrender to him today. If that's you, just pray this prayer along with me in your heart and then come and see me afterwards or contact at the office if you're watching online. We'd love to help you in your Christian journey. But just pray this prayer of surrender to him. Just say something like, Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross to save me. Please forgive me of going my own way and of doing things that offend and upset you. I surrender my life to you. Help me live the rest of my life for you, Lord Jesus. Give me your Holy Spirit so that I can become a child of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer and you're here today, please come and grab uh, one of the leaders afterwards. They'd be great to... uh, Uh, They'd love to speak to you or contact the office as well. They'd love to uh, speak to you if you're watching uh, online and help you in your Christian journey. But for many, you see, like Pharaoh, they harden their hearts against God, thinking that they can oppose him and win. And therefore, the Bible warns us, as the people of God, as we try to live for God and as we try to share this message, that we can expect opposition. It says in the Word of God that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And Jesus warns us, in the world you will have trouble. That is tribulation. You have great trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We can expect opposition from without as we try to follow Jesus and as we live for him. But there's also opposition that happens and that comes our way from within as well, as we'll go on to see. So let me uh, read on in our story. Verse 20 of chapter 5 goes on to say, They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send you out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I have established my covenant with them 
to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. How wonderful. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I will give it to you. For a, for, for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am... For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. I'm going to skip the genealogy just down to, uh, down to verse 26. It says, These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out his people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses says to the Lord, behold, I'm of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? The people of Israel are cross with Moses and Aaron. And because of their broken spirit, it says, they have absolutely no faith that anything is going to change in their favour. It's a very hopeless state to be in when someone's spirit is broken. They need outside help. And so do you if you're in that situation. If life has just broken you, as it does for some people, from time to time. Jesus is the one that got them out of this situation. The New Testament makes clear. And Jesus is the one that can help you when you just feel broken by life. Reach out to him, my friends. Reach out to him. He will help you. And as, as believers here, as you, as you press into God... You know, sometimes this is the hardest ones to deal with when other Christians make comments. Now, I'm not talking about prayer-filled advice of friends. It's the wise person who seeks out prayer-filled advice of their friends. But what I'm talking about is sometimes the faithless, thoughtless comments of other believers, spoken usually out of their pain, fear, or worldly views that can be discouraging when you're trying to do things of God. 
Here, in this situation, it's kind of an extreme example, isn't it? The, the guys were beaten, and, uh, and uh, you can sort of sympathize uh, with them in their situation. But you know, in our situation, it's normally when what we are doing or what we're leaning into of God affects other people's comfort level or perceived comfort level. Oswald Sanders makes it very clear in his book, Spiritual Maturity, just to encourage you to keep going. God is more concerned with our spiritual growth than with our temporal comfort. He's concerned with us growing more like him, not with us acquiring more things. Moses himself, it would appear in this passage, is opposed by his own thoughts, his own feelings, his own doubts. Moses' faith in God doesn't actually appear that great, does it, as you read this passage at the moment. He seems he's more afraid of Pharaoh, more concerned and afraid of the people of, of Israel, and more you know, consumed with his own inadequacies than the God whom he is serving. Yet in Moses' favour, he does keep going, as we'll see as we read on through the passage over the coming weeks. My friends, when you're facing opposition from within, whether it be from the other people around you or within yourself as well, when you know God has spoken and he has made something clear or it's just clear in, the, in God's word and yet it's culturally unpopular, just keep going, my friends. Yes, it's best to be in that place where, yeah, I'm full of faith, I'm trusting God, I know that he's got, he's got this in his hand, and you can be in that faith. And sometimes you're in that place. Other times, you're not. Sometimes it's as much as you can do to make it here on a Sunday morning to receive afresh. But my friends, that's still, when you do that, when you keep going, that's still the outworking of faith, even though you may not be full of faith, it's still the outworking of faith when you keep going. It's called perseverance. You know, courage isn't the absence of fear, that's being foolhardy. Courage is continuing despite your fears. And faith isn't the absence of opposition or struggles from without or within, but it's staying obedient to God despite those struggles. You see, because the God that we serve, he is totally trustworthy. He is totally reliable. He reminds Moses of who he is, that he is God Almighty, that he is making himself personally known to them. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, i.e. he's the God of all Time and he will fulfill what he has promised to them. He will work his wonders and he will make this people his very own possession and he himself will be their God. You see, the good news is, my friends, is that the promises and the purposes of God are not dependent on you and me, they're not dependent on his people, they're dependent on on God himself, hallelujah, which is why they are totally 
reliable, totally trustworthy. Yes, you have a part to play in it, as did Moses and Aaron and the Israelites in this passage. God has specific things that he wants you to do. But from time to time, we will fail. All of us do. And sadly, from t- sometimes in our life, there's periods in our life where we may be more like the people of Israel in this passage that we've been reading. Life has been tough. Life has broken you. And sometimes you're in a better place. You're full of faith. You're knowing God. Whatever stage you're at at the moment, take fresh faith this morning, my friends. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2. It's wonderful if you're in that place. If we are faithless, God remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. You see, it's not down to you or your ability. It wasn't down to Moses. Moses' ability in this passage is not great, is it? It's down to God, the God in whom we serve. Just keep drawing strength from him. He wants to strengthen you. He wants you to trust him and to cling on to him. And he will strengthen you. Now, the Bible says that he will strengthen us both physically, Isaiah 40, and in our inner being, Ephesians 3, verse 16, as you draw upon him, which we all need to. When we fail, which we all do, be quick to repent to God. Put it right before others if you need to, and then go back to God, and he will still use you. I mean, look at this passage. How many chances is he giving Moses? Moses is every step of the way. No, Lord, use someone else. No, don't use me. God, God continues with Moses. Oswald Sanders says, The perseverance of the saints is possible only because of the perseverance of God. I love that quote. The perseverance of the saints is possible only because of the perseverance of God. The Bible says... God will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, because God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the end is guaranteed. There's no There was no doubt over it anyway because God is all-powerful, but it has been secured for all time in terms of God's work of salvation. His plan of salvation, yes, it's still working out in real time today through us, and we have a part to play in it. But there is no doubt, as Anna mentioned earlier, there's no doubt in the outcome. God will have his people, and he will be their God. He was for the people here in our passage in Exodus for the Israelites there, which is actually given, the Bible makes clear, as a a picture. It's a true story, but it's a picture of the greater deliverance that God brings about through his son, Jesus Christ, that is open to all, Jews and non-Jews, through Jesus' death and resurrection. So as the redeemed people of God, trust him. Don't give in to opposition from Without or within, wholeheartedly give yourself to obeying Jesus, knowing he is totally faithful and he will bring about all the things he has promised. Amen? Amen. Can I invite you to stand? Can I invite the the band to come back as well, please?
just put your hands out to receive afresh from God. Whether you're in that place of feeling full of faith or whether you're in that place of you're just clinging on and it was all that you could do to be here this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with each one of you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to encourage you. Holy Spirit, would you just come and have your way amongst us, I pray. In Jesus' name, come and move amongst us. I pray you just meet with each person, or those that are in a good place, those that are expectant and full of faith and enjoying you, Lord God, just pour more on them, I pray. May they enjoy you more. May they know your presence uh, more in their life, Lord God. May they see greater power at work in them and through them. And Lord, those that are in that place where they're just clinging on by their fingertips, Lord God, I pray. Thank you, Lord God, that, uh, Lord, you don't break a, a bruised reed, Lord God, Lord, and a smouldering wick you don't snuff out, Lord God. Lord, I just pray, come and gently minister to them afresh this morning. Minister into their hearts, Lord God. Meet with them, strengthen them, Lord God. Come and deliver them from that situation so that they can know your hand at work afresh in their life. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.